folks. It is uh, episode number 35 and maybe my favorite. So it's after the checkers. I'm Kyle Hall. We're going to get all that stuff out of the way. We have a couple sponsors. We've got um, Woody's Manufacturing down in Princeton. They do powder coating and, and um, they can make custom trailers for you. They're a fantastic company. Go give them a shot at earning your business. If you need a trailer, custom toter, any of that kind of stuff, they can build for you. And then Sunoco Fuel, if, uh, fuel rather. If you need some race gas at the racetrack, find Paul Woody. Uh, they got the big Woody's uh, toter home and and uh, and trailer at all of the tracks, and they'll they'll be there for you to uh, to provide your fuel. So um, thank you to to Woody's Racing and to Woody's Manufacturing for being supporters of the show. Okay, all the business out of the way. I need to tell you this is royalty Mount Rushmore of dirt track racing. Buzz Kripe and and his wife Mary Beth both maybe should be on on the Mount Rushmore of racing. So we're a minute into this call. We've been talking for an hour before we ever hit record. It's been so much fun. I could talk to you guys forever. And so um, we actually just changed venues from their living room upstairs to to the trophy room downstairs. Mary Beth, can can you give me just a, a little? Can you? No, no, like in the room because this is this is one tenth of the trophies that maybe buzzy has this is so impressive it's so like i'm look at the big giant ones those are fun so and, and a, a little mini sprint car in the basement downstairs so man i i appreciate you guys so much being on the show uh, how how are you good Awesome. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> don't get shy now, guys. We've been talking for an hour. Well, I thought you were talking <laughs> no, to no. him. Yeah, I mean, whoever. I don't care. I don't care. So um, so let's start off, Buzzy. We we got limited amount of time, I guess, to to actually do the recorded part of the call here. But um tell us about your history. For like I I, I should tell you coming home from the races last Sunday night, I was with with my producer. Um Brock and we're, we're driving Brock is maybe 35 years old or so and we're, we're driving we drove right past your house and I said that's Buzz Cripe's house and he said who and I'm like oh this is we need to have Buzz on the show so that people know who he is because he's you're every you should be every bit as famous as anyone there is it's just been a, a minute since you've been in a race car um so tell us when when did racing start for you Buzzy that started when my mom and dad used to take us to Princeton Speedway every Friday night, and then a uh, lot of lot of shows up in Brainerd. Sure. But then St. Cloud on Sunday nights, you know. So I was a little kid in the grandstand that would uh, pick the fastest, or the car that I wanted to win was the car that threw the most mud at us in I hot laps. Yep. Whoever threw the most mud at us in hot laps, because we always sat going into turn one. He was going to be the winner that night. So, that's so where it all started. Outside line and got you all covered in clay. Yep. And I started pitting for a, a friend of mine, Butch Stearns, and uh, we would we would think about it. And I thought, you know what? I could probably do that because he would have us drive the race car or steer it going out to the Golden Spike Speedway in St. Cloud from Sartell. And we'd pull it with a chain. No trailer. No trailer. No. So then uh, Butch would always drive the pickup. 
he wasn't going to drive the race car. Well, going out to the spike was fun because you, you, you know, daylight out and you, your yeah. friends could see you driving a race car, you know, steering it at least. And, uh, but then coming home, all the bugs and everything. Yeah. It wasn't fun. Cold and freezing. So that, <laughs> that's when I said, boy, I could probably do this. I it would be that. a lot easier than doing this. So that's, so, that's how it so, got started. And so what, when was that? Was that in the sixties? That was in the 60s, yeah. Okay. Uh, middle 60s. Sure. And about 69 was when I decided I could probably try it. You do. You started driving yourself. And so, and what what was the class? Like, what did you start? What was your it was, class? It was a hobby stock. It was a okay. 57 Ford that we took out to Princeton. And, and I had a friend of mine, his dad, hauled us out there, borrowed a trailer from another friend of mine, and we get out there and we had to run the consolation because we were late. So I think I finished second to the last in the Compsy. And I go, coming home that night, I said, uh, ah, maybe this isn't for me. Maybe I'm wrong with this whole situation. And it, this guy's dad said, no, you keep at it. I see you got it in you. Just keep at it. Well, he was right. Whoever that guy is, he's a genius. That was Howie Wheeler. And he, uh, he was a heck of a racer. Himself. He was a, yeah, he was a heck of a racer back in the old 32 Ford days and nice. 36 Ford. Yeah. yeah. The Vickies. So the rest was, the rest was history then. And I, I, I didn't win my first race until five years into it. Are you kidding? No, that was up at Brainerd. I even, You're my son, when he started running sprint cars now, he says, uh, boy, I got big shoes to fill. And I, oh, whose shoes are you filling? He said, well, yours. And I said, well, you got to remember one thing. I never stepped foot in a sprint car. Yeah, exactly. The other thing was I said, I never won a race until it's five years into it. That was that Brainerd. So do you do you know the number off the top of your head, how many feature wins you have, Buzz? Uh, feature wins. No, I we never hundreds did. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, though, right? Uh, I, one year, hang 19, on a minute, I might have it. Mary Beth is going to go look. Seven, I believe it was. Danny Thorsbach and I took ninety-six percent of the total purse out of Princeton Speedway two cars. That's incredible. That's For the late model. Yeah, that's incredible. So, so while she's looking up your your win total, like this, you have the greatest wife ever. That she knows so. So tell us how you met when she's not here. Tell us how, because you guys met at the racetrack, right? We did. Yeah. Yes. So uh, tell us, which one of you wants to tell me that story? Mary Beth, you look up the wind total and Buzz can oh, tell I'll us let him tell it. It's always more colorful if he's not good. Well, yeah. No, um, uh, her, her brother was pitting for me. Her cousin was pitting for me. And she would have to come to the to the races was she had to go up in the grandstand because she wasn't old enough to get in. Sure. Get in the pit. So actually my ex-wife had the babysitter <laughs> in the grandstand. Nice. And uh, yeah, so that was interesting. Awkward. Yes. Yeah. Then as the Awkward years moment. You progressed, had to <laughs> she, uh, she went out with a pit man of mine and uh, 
he had got a little frisky that night with somebody else. So she ended up. He ditched me. <laughs> I ended up taking her home. <laughs> nice. Home, home. I mean, this was home. This wasn't. I didn't take her to my place. No. Yeah, exactly. To her house. Yeah. Yeah. To her house. I took her because I was a nice guy. And then we hit it off really well after that. Yeah. We just, both of us were really into racing and, yeah. you know, we started talking and it's like, because of the age difference, is it possible that we have this much in common? And it, and, sure it clicked. Yeah. and this is what most people don't believe or don't get. Um, it's a little awkward. So we, we were, we were together two weeks and we got engaged. And three months later, we got married and, we together, and we're celebrating 40 years. That's incredible. That's so awesome. I was going to bring up the 40 you, you had shared before that uh, you're almost 40 years together, uh, which is is amazing in itself. Um, but two, you're, you're two weeks together and engaged. I guess yeah, if you know, we, you know, right? When you know, you know. I, mean, yeah. I, I shouldn't say it, it may not be the way for everybody, but I mean, we instantly knew. I mean, we could instantly finish each other's sentences, stats, you know, and I, I wasn't it. afraid to call it, to crawl underneath a race car and, right. you know, but. Well, Buzzy just, leaves, there's a, there's a shirt that says, if you find a girl that's willing to scrape the mud off your race car after the races, you need to marry that girl. Oh, yeah. And Buzz, he was, he wore that shirt for the first time. <laughs> I gotta tell you, yeah. a, a kind of a funny story on that. The last car that Buzz drove was um, an IMCA old timer, and it was an old um, super modified that came from originally came from Skagit Speedway out on the in Washington, West, okay. West Coast. Anyways, it had an unusual setup underneath it, and uh, the first time we raced, we went to Saint Croix Falls. Saint Croix Falls. Um, it, Capella. Capella Speedway. And Buzz kind of said he hurt his back that night a little bit. So he was out talking to all the other drivers. And I went and walked the up and kind of took a look at the track size-wise and guesstimated it. And then I crawled underneath the track the, the car and I was changing gears and set stagger and Yep. And all these other drivers with him are like, is that your wife under that car? What the heck? He goes, yeah, she's got it. She'll handle it. And they kind of changing gears. He said, she's got it. She knows what she's doing. Long story short, he won his heat and his feature that night. I had a lot of offers to become yeah, a pit yeah. Yeah. New crew chief for everybody. <laughs> so, so, so there, so you've, you've met, you're married now in like a minute you're married and and so when when obviously you're racing throughout all of that when did the promoter stuff start for you mary beth because you you've been the promoter at maybe more tracks than anyone else like you you've been promoter at a lot of tracks well actually it's only three but it seems like <laughs> i've helped lot. at a few but it, you're it, a consultant at a lot of tracks maybe is the better way to put it okay well long story short it more or less started flagging before um, being a promoter because we ended up at Brainerd one night the flagman had quit Buzz he ended up in the flag stand and he didn't want to go up by himself he needed an assistant to help him hand flags and to watch what was going on in the track and then we ended up flagging together for I don't know oh geez 12 years something yeah. like that 12 and then I was at 
uh, I-94 with him one night and we were flagging out that they needed an assistant. So he ended up assisting Doug Clark from the World of Outlaws. Yep. And then they hired him and Doug actually was, his schedule was getting so busy that he couldn't do a full time. So they hired Buzz and Dick Johannick, the owner wanted me to flag with him. And after two nights of seeing the track and saying a couple things, uh, Dick was having kind of a falling out with his promoter. He came down to the flag stand after the races and he said, you, you want a job? I said, I already have one. He says, well, you want to work as a promoter? Buzz kind of looked at me, he goes, go for it. What else, what do you got to lose? <laughs> and I think, I don't even know how many years I was with them, but quite a 14. few. And then I, I ended up the promoter quit at uh, Fergus Falls. So I ended up promoting both tracks at the same time. And yes, I was the dreaded promoter that ended up having to go from dirt to tar. And uh, a lot of people think it was my idea (laughs) and my fault. And I'll I'll, I'll honestly tell you, I had nothing to do with that. I actually had all of the sanctions lined up for dirt that year. I had all my sponsors. I had a rules meeting lined up with my drivers. And on a Friday before my rules meeting, my boss called me down to the racetrack and he says, look at this stuff. And he was kicking the dirt. I thought he was kind of unhappy with the rocks. We need new play or something. Yeah. Well, yeah. You know, and he said, we're going black. All I could think of was we're going black dirt. Why would we put that? You know, I, you just don't quite yeah. fathom somebody's going to put tar on your track. And uh, I said, well, what do you mean? And he said, well, I got the uh, tire trucks coming on Monday. This was a Friday. That's how I got my notice that we were going to be wow. tired. By the time I got home, Buzzy had called Dick and he said, your promoter is throwing up. She has hives and she's not happy. <laughs> By the time he got off the phone with Dick, Dick said he kind of convinced us to give it a try. We could make it work. I'm still a dirt lover. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Asphalt's yeah, what you drive on to, to get try to the, the tar, but it's, Yeah. Right. It's dirt country around here, but yeah, I, I gotta say, you know, as far as being a driver, that the thing about asphalt is, and and that's what we were talking about with him, is that. Uh, Usually a dirt driver, if the track is bad or, or it's only a one lane or something, we can drive the car different and we can make it work. Yep. On asphalt, if you don't have the right setup, you're only going one place. Yeah, you're going backwards. Yeah. Yeah. So no, I've been to a couple. I was that I was to that when my my fiance at the time, wife now, we went to to the asphalt version of that track. Um way back when and, and watched it and it was it was first asphalt race i'd ever seen and it was like all right it was cool it was racing i mean it's that was enough like i've seen that that's cool let's get back to dirt um and then the my favorite asphalt track that i've been to was actually um uh, madison or uh madison international speedway over in in wisconsin yeah. and that place is super fun and and you know more modern cars than you know this was maybe just three four years ago and crazy fast and it was multiple grooves you know they were it's it's pretty banked and and uh it was super fun to watch and that 
that was the first place I'd ever seen a cone race before, which I want dirt tracks to do that. I want to have a cone race um, where they, on every restart, you put a cone at the start finish line and, and you get to choose whether if you don't have to line up left, right, left, right, left, right. You can choose. You can all go to the left or I'll go to the right, or you can whatever you want. So if, if the high side's not working for you, you can line up, you know, to the inside all the way back if you want. And so just fun. It's when you said Madison, that's kind of that's kind of uh, Jim Sauter country or Sauter family racing country. Yeah. Why don't you bring that up? Because uh, Jim and Buzz were were friends. Awesome. Uh, Jim Senior and yep. uh, that's every. Actually, that's actually Kenseth country. Well, yeah, it's Kenseth yeah. country. I think that's who owns it or who did own it back yeah. in the day. Yeah. 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 But Jim ran there a lot. But we just just in the mail today we got an invitation to uh, every year Jim's family does a memorial car show. Awesome. in august and so kind of cool i didn't yeah. realize how many until the first time we went down jim has 12 children and there is a lot of solders involved in racing let me you. tell yeah. you from johnny to jay to travis to tim tim i i I'm trying to keep them all yeah. straight in a race car is jim Jr. yeah yeah so, they're all they're all into racing and they're all good so. that's kind of a fun to be i used to be with an asa team uh, Jesse Klug was was the driver out of Alexandria, okay. and that's where he ran was Oregon, Wisconsin, and that yep, was, that's where the track that is. Was, yep. Yeah, that yep. was Kansas track, and I was wondering because we, we pulled in there, and I I was a I was a transport driver, and then I was uh, uh, his spotter. spotter, and we I parked the truck, and we walked over against the grandstand, and we were looking down into the parking lot, and there was four Corvettes all lined up there up to the uh, concessions or the souvenir stand and they all had Kenseth license plates on them and I said boy they must really like Kenseth around there and they yeah. said they had owned it. <laughs> oh yeah that's funny yeah that was the if you're if you're watching this and you go to Wisconsin Dells you it's it's an hour away from Wisconsin Dells to go over there and watch racing out that and it's it's a really cool track yeah the, the other thing that I really like about that place is on the fence every other fence pole has a light going from top to bottom that is either green red or yellow and so the whole track light when there's a yellow it's not one little stoplight yep. way off in the distance the whole track turns yellow you know instantly that something's going on so something uh, musco lighting came up with and it was it was a pretty neat little setup yeah it's not cheap but it's I would neat. imagine not but safe it's it makes it safer kind of thing and so that's yes. well that and cool. and you know it sounded like it sounded like I didn't like asphalt. Um, it, it was just hard for me coming from dirt to go to asphalt yeah. in, in that manner. And with but I got to tell notice, you, like that's a crazy thing. Yeah, I got to tell you, the asphalt has some advantages for a promoter. I didn't have to pay a, a prep guy to prep my track forty hours a week. Yeah. If it rained, I could dry the track off and not call a rain out. I mean, exactly. and and I didn't have as many rock claims to fill out in the grandstand. <laughs> so, you know, that part was good, but sure. my heart was always kind of in the dirt. Well, for sure. Yeah. And it's like Buzz, you said around here, there's it's we're we're dirt track. Like it's it's what we do in Minnesota anyways. And really the upper Midwest, I think it's more of a an East Coast thing and maybe a West Coast thing too, where where there's a lot of asphalt stuff. But but uh I don't know. Like it's 
I like going home with a little dirt in my nostrils and the Q-tip on, on Sunday mornings, getting the, getting the dirt out of your ears. It's nothing better. I ran better my than old, dirt in your beer. <laughs> I ran my old super modified when I ran with the old timers and, and I ran at Raceway Park and at Elko, you know, on the yeah. asphalt. That's a, that's a challenge when you got big tires on, on a old, old car with no yeah. power steering or anything. But yeah, it, it, was it was fun. We had a good time. The, uh, I forget who it was. I watched, we were down at Elko maybe a year ago and watched, um, there was a, a, a normal dirt track car. Like the, like it was somebody that I knew, I can't remember who it was. And they, they were there and I'm like, well, that thing ain't going to work for crap on asphalt, but it, he did. Okay. It was just, he had the, the suspension that was turning for him and, and all of those asphalt cars slammed right down in the rear end. I don't think moves at all. And, uh, uh, it was it was weird to watch because his was the only car that was humping up in the corners and everybody else was just nice and flat around the turn. But that's so, a dirt track experience. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, so so you're involved like as the whole time there's been a Mary Beth and a Buzzy. You guys have been dirt track forever, right? Yeah. And so yep. so it there's I always do a thing called the pay it forward question, and it's my last guest gets to ask my next guest a question. And so my last guest uh, was a guy by the name of Parker Anderson. And I don't know, I don't know how much you're paying attention to racing right now, but Parker is a 17 year old kid in this, in 2021, he is on his 15th win so far, his 15th win in 24 shows. He is a street stock driver. He's lighting it up. He is 560 points ahead in the national championship right now against guys that are multiple time national champions. He is accomplished. Yeah, very accomplished young man and super respectful, nice kid. So, so he, and he's from the middle of Wisconsin. He drives or he has been driving four hours every Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday to get to the tracks where he races here in Minnesota. And, um, He's moving to Minnesota now to he's moving to Fergus Falls to be closer to racing and, and that sort of stuff. And so his question for you and not knowing, I explained a little bit about who you are in it. And this is the question for Buzzy is what motivated you for, for 60 years of your life, you've been in dirt track racing. What, what motivates you to stay in the racing scene? Well, it's uh it all started that I wanted to stay into it when I retired from driving mm -hmm. and I ended up with 13 track championships in the, in the central Minnesota area. Yeah. Well, then I wanted to stay around it. So I got into flagging. Yep. And then after I got into flagging, after I retired from that and I was doing, you know, I was doing four tracks a week flagging. flagging. I was putting on 710 miles a Every week. Every weekend driving the racetrack that's flag. not much different than being a race car driver right there buzz <laughs> no it wasn't no it wasn't so i started staying i wanted to stay around and then we got into uh owning a four car sprint car team one driver but we had four cars is that your son yes because okay. we had we were told that you got to have a lot of cars and parts when you uh run sprint cars so that's very true yeah and yeah, so we stayed around that, and then I ended up buying a, like I say, my old super modified vintage race car, and we were with the uh, 
uh, IMCA old timers, and we belong to the uh, we used to belong to the to the Central Minnesota or the, the other class, and so Northern Vintage, Northern Vintage, Northern we Vintage stayed around that, yeah. and then all of a sudden, then once we retired from that, we got into um, we're at the process right now of restoring a 1984 gambler chassis sprint car that was driven by Brad Doty and it was well known as the Coors Silver Bullet car. I remember that car. You have that car? Number 18. We have, we have one of those. Let, one of, let, yeah, there's more than one for it. sure. Yeah. One, one of the gambler chassis. Yep. It was the 54th one that they built and uh, it is the true car. And we had to do a little digging to find out. Yeah, how do you know that this is, anybody could say this is Brad right. Doty's car? Exactly. So I actually contacted um, the Spurlock family. There's KC and CK, and forgive me, I can't remember which one is the dad and which one's the son, but they owned CK. Um, uh, Gambler Chassis and started yep. it. And uh, I, I told them I got this car. They said it's Doty's. How do we find out what it is? He told us where I had Buzz go out and find the serial numbers, called him back, and he told us what we had, and then he offered to buy it. And I said, nah, not for sale. First question. <laughs> if he's instantly <laughs> wanting to buy it, then it's not for sale. Yeah. It, yeah, it is a for sale. And the odd thing about that is about a year and a half ago, it was gifted to me. The car was not complete. I mean, we had to buy yeah. wings and and, it was in uh, a lot of pieces. <laughs> yeah, it was in, it was all in pieces. The only thing that was in one piece was the steering box. And wow. uh, the guy had started on it. He had the body panels painted and the, and the tail painted. But uh, the guy, oh, I only met this person like four times. He was a truck driver. I was okay. a truck driver all my life. And he was from Bloomington. And, and we bought a street rod from his stepbrother. And he... he uh, uh, he ended up uh, uh, introducing me to him through a through the Bloomington Road Knights, which are now honorary members of that. But anyway, he uh, uh, he called me up and says, "Well, I'm getting divorced." He said, "I would like to have you to have this car, this Doty car, I'm restoring." And he had already restored Butch Miller's 19, uh, 1985 ASA late model. This is a cool guy. Yeah, he he was really pretty pretty cool. So he wanted me to have it, and I said, well, "What do you no, Mark? What do you want for it?" And he says, uh, "Buy me a hot dog." And I said, "Okay." So we ended up getting a car for a hot dog. And, yeah, and we're in the process of we got dug into it right away. Once we found out that it was truly Brad Doty's car, we yeah. We took off on it. Uh, sorry to say, we lost Mark. Okay. Passed away about passed away. four months after we started on it. Yeah. So our goal was kind of to finish this in his honor. Yeah. No, that's awesome. That's We're super awesome. There. We yeah. just went, went to North Dakota and picked up the motor uh, last week, and and we had it lettered this week, and. We're getting there. It's a lot of motor. <laughs> I go well, all for sure. Yeah, those because I mean, was that like it was? That a, I'm going to say it wrong. Offenhauser is that what the engines were back then? No, no. it's a small block 350. It is uh, okay. Chevy, but it's all aluminum block, aluminum pan, aluminum heads, aluminum timing chain cover, every, 
a water pump's aluminum, everything. All lightweight. And it's a 410 cubic inch. Uh, yep. It pumped at 783 horsepower. So nice, nice. It's for that for that vintage year, and and this was that's what we wanted to stay with. We wanted to get with everything that's per that year yeah. of car. Yep. And this this was a an engine that was run back in in the 80s. So is there what will you do with it? We're going to take it to car shows. We're going to take it to race tracks, um, and we're going to show it. It's yeah. a conversation piece. It's sure. a, it's a truly a conversation like piece. Like you said, I remember that car. Yeah, yes. a lot of people. Yeah. And and the weird thing about it was, is coming home from Lakeville, picking it up that day, I said to my to Mary Beth, I said, "Don't we have that model yet of the Coors Silver Bullet car?" Yeah. And she says, "I think we do somewhere. I don't think we got rid of it. We've had that model for thirty years." Isn't that crazy how things like that happen? Well, and interestingly enough, we had both models because Steve Kinzer actually drove the poor silver bullet car at one point too. Yeah, right. Um, yeah. It's something kind of cool that that happened a long, long time ago. Buzz asked a guy that was pretty knowledgeable, "Did Kenny Rogers have anything to do with Gambler chassis?" And this guy said, "No, he had nothing to do with Gambler chassis. That's just a name." When I talked to the Spurlocks who own Gambler, I found out the whole story and it was pretty interesting. KC Spurlock, because I think the dad, KC was Kenny Rogers' road manager for years. Well, so it has to have something to do with it then. And, and he managed a couple racetracks or promoted a couple racetracks. And Kenny he did? decided, KC did. Okay. And, and so then KC decided to build a sprint car chassis that he thought would work yeah. and he did they built this chassis and when they went to i think he said it was a track in florida um they needed a name for the chassis like maxim or j and j yeah and he didn't really have a name but at the time the song the gambler was pretty popular right so he just signed it in as gambler chassis yeah. i love it and there kenny it is the name it. is born yeah kenny heard about it but he heard about it after gambler started winning and winning and was doing pretty well and pretty yeah. successful. Kenny came into the shop one day and he says, so I hear this is a little, little gambler chassis company. And I think the way Casey explained it, he said, I kind of wasn't sure where he was going with that, if I was going to be in trouble or not. Yeah. And Kenny said, well, I, I kind of think I need to have a little share in this too. So Kenny was part owner of gambler chassis for That's a while. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. So well, yeah, he did have maybe something. That explains that uh, his movie, The Six Pack. Maybe maybe there's a connection all there because that it's like one of the most famous racing movies ever. Favorite yeah. movie. Yeah, heck yeah. And then then in that process too, I, I can't forget that my son you know drove for us. Well, then he went on his own and he was running sprint cars up until last year. He he just sold his last car, and uh, so that's that's where it sort of started. And it's still going yeah. as far as the racing uh, length. I, I, always, I always have the line that racing, not that the two are similar, but like you can you can have cancer and then you can go into remission. You can, you're, you're never really cured of cancer. You just go into remission and you yeah. can be in remission a long time and then you can relapse and then you have cancer. 
racing is exactly the same way i think like you can quit racing but it always drags you back or somehow like you you'll like i haven't been there in 10 years and you'll drive by the racetrack and be like let's go watch we're just gonna watch one race and then all of a sudden two weeks later you own a race car again it's just we tried to get a friend of ours mel grile who ran years ago at at uh, St. Cloud to go to a race with us. We didn't succeed. Our son got him to one, but he told our son, he said, the reason I don't want to go to a race, right I had a feeling in. I'm going to end up with a car and I don't yep. need one. Yeah, That's exactly. what happened with the with the old super modified. And and I'll never forget that because the first race I won was was out, out there at Capella and St. Croix Falls. And she's up in the grandstand sitting next to Jim Bruggeman. And Jim Brugman, I used to run at North Star, you know, yep. he, was, he was a hot shoe in the late models. And uh, I won the feature. He looks at her and he says, well, the old man still got it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that, yep. that made my head go like this, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's so, so the question. Go ahead. I'm sorry, Kyle. I was going to say, I got to say, kind of to answer that driver's question, I think what also think keeps us, yeah, but. To answer it though another way, I think what keeps us involved in racing is the people. Um, you know, the cars, there's nothing like watching a great race. There yep. just isn't. It's addicting. Yep. But there's also nothing like the people at a dirt track. It is. It becomes like your family. The like people. the the people in the pits are if you're if you're not a, an in the pits person, you're just a spectator person, you people tend to sit like that's their seat. Like you you can go to you know, my home track is North Central Speedway here in Brainerd. And I, I can tell you where certain people sit. And, and if they're not there, you look up behind you and you're like, well, where's Larry? Like he's like Larry Schwenneman sits right there. Like when, when I am at the track where I sit, when I'm spectator, Kyle, Larry sits right behind me with his little crew of people. And I'm like, well, where's Larry? Like always sitting down there. It never happened. Like you sit in the same spot at every track, every time. And so those people around you exactly become your racetrack family, you know? And and those people will remember you wherever we go. You yeah. go. We we walk into places and people we don't even know will say, Hey Buzzy, how's it going? And we're like, Exactly. And that'd be racing. Like when you when you uh got a hold of us this afternoon on the on the phone, we had a couple stop here, Dick and Rosie Lake. They're like, they're like the staples of, of racing. Uh, they own Lake Station out here on the corner before okay. you, well, at the, at the roundabout now going yeah. to, going out to the racetrack. The Grand Saint City, Cloud, yeah. but they've been there for years, sponsored so many race cars. My first championship in 1974 or 73 was at St. Cloud and, and their name is on the trophy. They sponsored the trophy and I, Last time they were here, I took the trophy up and I said, we need to take a picture of this. With this trophy, exactly. Yeah. And uh, so, so they, they stopped in today just to look at the Doty cars. Well, so I got to tell you. By some night. You, you asked that. how many features you want. Yes. Yeah, let's get back to that. I don't, but I can give you a couple stats. Okay. In 1978, Buzzy won the Central Minnesota Stock Car Association Championship which meant that he competed at three tracks every week for 21 weeks against over 25 other drivers. Um, and since 1973, uh, Buzzy had placed in the top five every year. 
at Golden Spike. He was track champion in 73 and rookie of the year. Best appearing car and crew, which is something he's always prided himself on. But 73, 74, 75. Sportsman of the year, 74. North Star Speedway and Blaine, track champion in 77. The only year he raced there, and that was because St. Cloud had closed that year. Uh, Viking Speedway and Alec, track champion in 80. Uh, Top Chevy driver in the upper Midwest by Steinberg Chevrolet in 80. Princeton, he was track champion, 76, 77, 78. Best appearing car, 76, 77, 79. Interesting fact, in 1977, Buzz won 98 out of 103 races at Princeton. That's including wow. your heats and trophies. And, right, yeah. Uh, North, Star Speedway, or North Central Speedway and Brainerd, track champion, 76, 77, 78, 79, best appearing cars, 77, 78. That's all I got for you. <laughs> that's the, well, that's That little, like, little eight-year snippet that you just gave us, is is would be an amazing career all by itself and and that's just a little bit of your career and so like how long did how long did you drive i actually ran 16 years 16 as a driver and then another 40 or 35 at least doing something else at a racetrack right i think i had 16 years and also at at flagon too so i don't know i but couldn't tell you for sure. All, all them accomplishments, uh, best appearing car and crew, yeah. um, uh, the championship, the race win. I couldn't have done it without my pit. Yeah, I know. The best, yeah. the best pit men that a person could ask for. That's awesome. That's uh, Dave Bloom, uh, Cleve Johnston, Tabby uh, Wheeler. Uh, we, we, we had Dan Treadle. Yeah. We've very had. I had so many, Rick many that I, I couldn't have done it without them. There, yeah. There's no Chuck way. <laughs> and, and the best part was when I, I built every race car, every race car I ever stepped in, I built. That's awesome. And, and, uh, uh, when I retired, I said to, uh, many people, drivers included, I said, you know, the funny part about it is anybody could have drove these cars that I built. I don't know. They were, they were like, they were on a rail. That's, I didn't even have to work. I gotta say, the guy driving it. I gotta, I gotta say the one thing, you know, he missed a name in there and Kenny Schulte was really important to Buzzy. He was yeah. his crew chief and he's helping us a lot years. on this, this, um, he's a part of this Brad Doty car, but yeah. it, it made me think of a, a, a cute story. Danny Thorsbachen was Buzzy's most ferocious, uh, competitor. Sure. At at uh, you always got to have a rival, and uh, I, I'm going to have him tell the story. But there's a neat story about why racing is so important to each other, and and why you it isn't just about winning; it's how right. you win. Right. The last night of the season, we we uh, we went out and ran hot laps. We pulled in, and uh, Danny come over to us, and and it was last night. And I was ahead by 13 points for the championship. He walks up to me and he shook my hand and he says, congratulations, winning championship. I didn't win it yet, Danny. He won yet, yeah. No. And he says, yeah, you did. He said, we broke a throttle cable. 
and he, he didn't run a mechanical cable. He ran a throttle cable. Like an actual cable, yeah. Off of Ford Granada. Oh. Well, Kenny Schulte, Kenny Schulte, my crew chief, he looks at me. I looked at him, and Kenny said, what do you want to do? I said, give it to him. You we had one? Same throttle cable. Oh, nice. See, that's the best. So that's, you had the opportunity to just hammer it down and like, okay, I'm the champion. But a, a race, a, a real like in here race car driver doesn't want to win by default. You like, you'd rather win or I'd rather lose a straight up race that's a good race than, than, you know, someone spins out and you win by default or someone broke like that, especially knowing in the back of your head, you could have helped. That's awesome. It speaks volumes about you, my friend. Wait, well, thank you. I'll never forget that as long as I live. Because <laughs> uh, What's the odds, you know? Yeah, exactly. But I said to him afterwards, I said, you guys got to carry spares, you know. <laughs> we will from now on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, how you don't break throttle cable? Well, maybe you do. I guess I don't know. But these, so, so I can see. Like, I can see why he was running them because, like I say, I started running them too because they were just really heavy duty. Yeah. But they were off like a 1978 Granada. That's and funny. I'll never forget that. Of all of, of all of the weird things that could have been the same on your guys's car. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. So For the record, you won the race in the championship. Yeah, I won. I won the feature in the championship that night. So yeah, so I was happy. It was inevitable, exactly. Had it been a one-point lead, maybe not so nice. No, I'm just kidding. No, right, <laughs> right. Uh, so you get to ask my next guest a question, and my my next guest is going to be um, is a he's a late model driver right now. He's from Canada. He's down in America all summer long. His name is Shane Edgerton, young guy hot shoe, top three, four guy every single night at Granite City. And he's racing all around Minnesota this year in a, in a, in a late model. Um, and so what would what would your question to a, Shane's got to be 23, four, five years old, something like that is my guess. Um, late model driver, what what would your advice or, or question for him be? Boy. Um. I would imagine that that his chassis, no one runs a leaf spring rear chassis anymore. Definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> I just wonder why not. Okay. Why not leaf that's, springs? That's yeah. Okay. I might have to I might have to explain to Shane what a leaf spring is. Yeah, you yeah. might have to, but um no, it's just, it's a question that I, the tracks, the tracks haven't changed much, you know, as far as surfaces or, yeah. yep. or Banking. you know, they're, they're getting drier. Yeah. Then we, we used to run because we wanted to hook up. Yeah. But I'll tell you, I never ran, I ran leaf springs only on the rear and they worked so good. Yeah, yeah. Well, that'll you be know. it'll be interesting to see what his answer is because he's well, a one man. Like he's the he's the everything on his 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 program. He does all of the work himself. So he's probably going to say, 
where in the heck did that guy come from? What rock did he come out from? Exactly. Like I said, I might have to explain to him what a leaf spring is. I'm just sort of curious because that's gone through my mind for many, many years. Sure. You know, uh, I would imagine it has something to do with it, you know, because those, those cars, when they're going straight, are still all skewed, you know, the, the, the suspension rotates underneath that car. So I'll tell you, that's puzzling for me. Actually, tell you the yeah. truth, it yeah. is how, how that how that uh, 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 chassis loading up and then unloading and and it's pretty crazy. And, and just, some of them I you just see wondered. Is, I wondered that. I always wanted to talk to a to a fresh light mile driver. Like I say, they probably think, well, "What the hell?" I can make that? that happen, Buzzy. There's a you may not know this, but just just about 10 miles from your house, there's a racetrack and they race late models there every Sunday night. I bet I could get you into the pits. You think so? Yeah, I, I, I would imagine, yeah. You mean free or what? <laughs> I, will, I will buy your pit pass. I will buy two pit passes if, if Buzz and Mary Beth Cripe want to come down and, and I would bet I can even convince one of those late model guys to lift up his skirt a little bit and let you look underneath there. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And so well, I, I see that you do have a polydome car uh, going there up is there. There's a right? polydome car. Yep. Is that uh, who's driving that? Is that Tony driving it? Um, no. Who is uh, Rocky? Nope. Um, I think, why am I not? I'm blanking on the name. Like I can see the car. I'm blanking on the name right now, but it's there for sure is. And so. Yeah, we'll, I'll let you, like, we'll, we'll make that happen if you want to get in and we'll talk, you know what, better yet, let's wait until Dan Ebert is there. You, you know, Dan's dad very well. Uh, Dan would be the guy to talk to about why all of that flexing and moving. He would be the guy to, to tell you all about No, he, he just slapped me alongside the head and say, go buy your dish. Figure it out yourself. (laughs) (laughs) How old are you? He said, he would say. No, Dan it's just, never. Dan it's just never. that the leaf springs, they work so good. And and that's where, I'll tell you the truth, my, my cars, we hooked it all to the racetrack. Sure. Yep. We didn't have a lot going up in the grandstand. Yeah. Yeah. It was all just torque. Yeah. Loved and, it. Uh, so I just, I just sort of curious. We're, we're running out of time. And so I, I, I am saying we're, we're going to do this again. Now that we've got the zoom thing figured out, we can see each other. We can hear each other. Um, we're, we're let's, let's reconnoiter and, and like maybe this winter or something like that, when there's not a lot of racing going on, I, I would love to, to have another conversation with you guys. You're welcome to stop. Take a look at the car, yes. the trophies, and a few other goodies anytime. I will for sure do that. On the way down to the racetrack someday, I will leave early and, and I'll come knock on your guys' door. So I would love um, that. I would love that myself. So and I, cool. I will I will make it out there. I will make it out there. Do it. You can tell you can tell James Trantina to I'll make it out there. <laughs> I, I will I will put a ticket at Will Call that's forever there and make sure that you guys get in. So um uh I I would love to have you guys at that track. May I remind you why? Old drivers don't go to racetracks. <laughs> yeah, we just <laughs> talked about this, huh? Mary Beth's like, we don't need more car. race cars. No. Awesome. So, well, thank you guys so much. It's been a pleasure chatting with you and, and getting to know you a little bit better than we already did. And, and uh, we'll definitely do this again. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you, guys.
and and thanks for the 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 phrase winner winner chicken dinner it sticks that, in yes. my head all the time exactly <laughs> they come up so, so like there's a, a comedian that says all the time i'm hearing this stuff for the first time myself people that's exactly the way i announce mary beth is it's there's very little planned out about what comes out of my mouth. It's all just off the cuff. And sometimes it gets me in trouble, but most of the time it's it's uh, it's just supposed to be funny. Well, I got to tell you, I was sitting there scoring next to you up at Brainerd that night because they were short that score. And I heard you say, winner, winner, chicken dinner first time. I don't know if I even scored the last four cars. I laughed so hard. That's funny. Well, very good. We'll share more stories on the next show. Yeah. Have cool. a good one. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Bye now.